But I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Acts chapter 6. I've got about a two-hour message here that I'm going to try to cut down to about an hour and 45 minutes. I got done early in Sunday school today, so I said that means I get to preach extra long for this service. But no, I won't do that to you. But I really want to try to get something across to you. This is going to be one of these where I might... I'm going to try. I might try to go a little deep here. Sometimes I get myself in trouble when I do that. But if you pay close attention, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm losing you, just look like you're getting all of it, and we'll probably get through it quick. And uh, you know, throw an amen or something in there. All right, if they got that, I can move on to the next thing. But uh, I really want to get something across to you. Uh, you know, last week uh, in the message, or I believe it was last week. Um, and we've been talking. We talked about pleasing God not too long ago. And then last week, what did I preach about? I can't even remember. I'm too busy concentrating on this message. But um, I, you know, it kind of goes along with some of the things I've been thinking about and along the lines that I've been preaching lately. And um, today, I'm going to talk about increasing the Word of God. Increasing the Word of God in Acts chapter six and verse seven. It said, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Statement, the word of God increased. Well, how do we increase the word of God? Because I believe we need to increase the word of God. St. Pastor Tommy, I thought we're not supposed to add to any of the scriptures or take away from any of the scriptures. I'm not talking about adding anything to this Bible. That's that's not what that passage there meant. But increasing the Word of God, what exactly does that mean? Well, we're going to kind of take a long path through several different things to end up back at that verse. To see what it means to increase the Word of God because as a church and as Christians, as, as individuals, if we're going to accomplish anything spiritual, we need the power of God in our lives. This church, if we're going to accomplish anything that's real, anything that's lasting, we need the power of God to fall on this church. I mean, we need it bad. And all, everything that we do, it's all vain. It's all empty. Without the power of God, there's no point even being here. There's no point in really doing anything. We need the power of God on our church. I want the power of God in my life. I hope you want the power of God in your life. And in Acts chapter 6, we see the Word of God is being increased and we also see the power of God moving in unexplainable, miraculous ways. And I don't know about you, but I, I believe that God wants to do those same things. I believe God wants to send revivals to nations and to communities and even uh, to individuals. God wants to do that, but we've got to have the power of God if that's going to take place. And we get the power of God when we increase the Word of God. And so we're going to find out how to do that. But first, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. If, if you want, I'm going to jump around to a lot of Scriptures, so you're not going to offend me if you don't try to uh, turn to all of them. I'm going to kind of hit some of them quick because I've got, I've got a lot of Scripture. I might not even get to all of them. But um, I, there's, there's some great truths that we see here to kind of teach us what increasing the Word of God is. But it says in verse uh, Matthew 5, verse 17, it says, Think not 
that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one till shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, most Christians today are trying to find reasons in the Bible for why they don't have to obey the Old Testament law. I mean, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament. I mean, there's a lot of laws in there. And a lot of them we don't really like. Some people don't, and some people flat out hate them. And they're always trying to find excuses. Well, that was the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore. And Jesus Christ, when He came and He started teaching the things that He thought, these people are thinking the same things. Or you're trying to get rid of the Old Testament. You're trying to say that we don't need that anymore. And Jesus said, no. I didn't come to destroy. I came to fulfill. He said, not one jot or one tittle of the law will pass until all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But God's Word will not pass away. We see that the Word of God, it's something that it always is applicable. It always applies. There's really three types of laws that we see in the Bible. It's like, well, what about... Then that means we can't be eating bacon then, right? Because it was commanded in the Old Testament for them not to eat anything. They were only supposed to eat meat if it parted the hoof and they chewed the cud. And the pigs were unclean because... They parted it had a parted hoof, but they didn't chew cut. And so that means we can't be eating bacon, right? No, because there were ceremonial laws. There were feasts and things that all looked forward to that final sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled the ceremonial law. We don't have high priests uh, high priests anymore. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. That's that's done. That's completed. It's finished. We don't that it's over. It's not that he did away with it. It's he finished it. So if something's finished, we don't really need to do it again, do we? It's complete. It's done. And then also there was laws that were specifically for the Jews. And those dietary laws were one of those. There was many things I I don't have time to go back and look at all of them, but when Jesus Christ told them not to eat of these certain things, he specifically said that it was an abomination to the for Israel, to the Jew. It was something, and he said it was also so people would see that you were a separate people. That was something that was special, that was for them. It does not apply to us, and that's clear from many New Testament scriptures that Jesus gave, that the Apostle Paul gave, that we're not going to defile ourselves from eating meat just because the animal did not chew the cut. And thank God for that because I love bacon. I love ham. Uh, I like all that stuff. So, uh, thank God for that. But then there was the rest of the law that was for everyone. There were some laws that God said these are for the Jew and therefore the stranger that dwells in your land, anybody that's in your land, these are laws. These are something. Many of those were reinforced in the New Testament. These laws were never done away with. And they, but those laws also aren't, they're not there so we can go to heaven. We're under grace, aren't we? If we preach against sin around here, we preach for doing many of those Old Testament laws, but it's not so we can go to heaven. All right? We go to heaven by believing on the name of Jesus Christ. 
and receiving that gift of salvation that is free, that is not of works. But they're there, those laws are still there because Jesus also said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants us to have a good life here in this earth. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to, uh, you know, He wants you to flourish. He wants things to be good in your life. He wants to bless us. And we can see from these laws in the Bible, from the commandments, how to do that. How we can be a blessed people. And we can see in there, and throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we see blessings and curses. But for Christians, God does hold us to a higher standard. Not only are we supposed to obey the law, but Jesus, when He came, remember, He didn't do away with the Old Testament law. He just fulfilled. He fulfilled it. But He also told them, hey, you're not just supposed to obey the law. You're supposed to obey the spirit of the law. For example, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, I'm going to read this Scripture to you. It says, And He said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Okay, Do we practice the Sabbath day anymore? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not trying to play a trick on anybody. But you know, I imagine most of us here have probably done some working on Saturdays before. We've done, you got up and you did physical labor. Were you breaking the Sabbath? No. We see that the Sabbath for it now, it's not something that we, uh, we're not going to go stone somebody for doing works on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not Sunday for us now that we're New Testament Christians. But we see though that the Sabbath was something that God made for us. It was really a gift for us. And I believe that, uh, the application that we can take, I think it's biblical and it's wise. You don't have to do this, but if you want to enjoy your life a little better, I think it's good to have a day off once a week. It's good to take a day off. We need to rest. What happens when we don't rest? We get cranky, don't we? What happens when we get cranky? We start fighting with our spouses, don't we? We start having problems when we when we get cranky. We start if we if you don't get enough rest, if you get overtired, you start having health problems, don't you? I mean, lack of sleep that lowers your immunities. It it does all kinds of things to you, and we see that that principle of the Sabbath we're not bound by the Old Testament law where we have where we're supposed to go around and make people not do anything every Saturday, but the principle, the spirit of the law is still there. You would be wise to take a day. Now I know we're a seven day a week culture, but it's it would be good for you to take one day a week and relax. It could be Sunday, it could be Saturday. It's always kind of been, you know, Monday's been more the one for us. You know, lately I've been doing some work on Monday. I have been kind of taking my Sabbath and <laughs> paying the consequences. But you can see though how the spirit of the law still applies. You don't have to. You can work seven days a week if you want. But it'd be a good idea to follow that. It would it would help a lot of things in your life. But obedience to the law is what decides a blessing or a curse. There's another example too of obedience to an Old Testament law that and obeying even the spirit of that law is in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 4 it says thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth the corn. What the Bible is talking about there whenever they'd be out plowing and doing the work with those oxen 
Sometimes they'd see some food out there that they would want to eat. And sometimes maybe those farmers, they'd want to be greedy and muzzle that ox so he couldn't eat. And he's like, hey, he's doing the work. Let him do some eating. You know what the Bible saying? saying? It was saying, take care of your animals. They're doing work for you. They're accomplishing something for you. Take care of them. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10, it says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Saying, take care of them. You got these animals. These animals were their livelihood back then. It was where they got their food from. It was how they did their work. Sometimes it was even their transportation. And God didn't want to be cruel to them. God wanted them taking care of them. And I believe, you say, well, I don't have any pets. But you know what? I believe a good a principle we can apply to our lives now is, is take care of what you have. I think you could say the same thing about your car. Take care of your automobile. Hey, the Lord provided that automobile for you. Take care of it. When it needs gas, give it gas. Otherwise, it's going to quit on you. If it needs oil, put some oil in it. Or the engine's going to blow up on you. Take care of what God has given you. Otherwise, you're not going to have it anymore. And you're going to be in trouble and wondering what's going on. I mean, we see just kind of some examples of how these laws, they help us. And even obeying the spirit of law. There's nothing in the Bible that says that we have to take care of our automobiles. But I think you can find the principle there. The spirit of the law. That Jesus said, hey, I want you to obey that. Remember the man, when he, Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've broken that commandment of thou shalt not kill. Listen, he said, it's good to not kill somebody, but you shouldn't even do it in your heart. The spirit of the law. It's all so important. Uh, you know, training your children in Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When we follow these things, when we do them, it's going to help in so many areas. But many Christians today, they're like some spoiled rich kid. They think that I can do whatever I want, and no matter what happens, daddy's going to come bail me out. Hey, I'm a Christian. We're under grace. I can do whatever sin I want to do, and I'm still saved. I'm still going to go to heaven. And they think that I can just disregard certain parts of the law, and because I'm God's child, nothing's going to happen to me. God wouldn't punish anybody. God wouldn't do anything to hurt somebody, especially one of His own children. And a lot of times, preachers, we get in trouble when we talk about curses that are in the Bible. Are you saying that God, you know, curses people? Well, but when blessings or cursings come, our, curses come our way. Is it because? All right, now this is we're going to think a little bit now. Okay, so when a blessing or curse comes our way, they're clearly in the Bible. I give you tons of scriptures. We don't have time. But he said, I've set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you will follow, but a curse if you don't. So when a blessing or curse comes your way. Is it because God is in heaven deciding to bless you or curse you? Or is it because you obeyed or disobeyed the Word of God? And the truth is, it's both. It's it's absolutely both. They're both the same. God said, I don't know how everything works up in heaven, but I think on one hand you could say God is in heaven. He sees He sees you're doing something good. 
He sees you obeying His Word and God says, you know what, I'm going to bless them. And Or He sees you doing something wrong God says, alright, I'm going to curse them. So God's making the decision, but at the same time, the decision's already been made. Now this is where Calvinists kind of get themselves in trouble. All right, they're always talking about how you know God's sovereignty and God's ordained everything and God's planned everything from the beginning. This is where I'm going, to, I'm going to get a little deep. Hope I do this good and I don't lose you or even lose myself on this one. But in John chapter one verse one, it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Why did the book of John call Jesus the Word of God? In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is it talking about in both those? In John 1 and in Revelation chapter 19. It's talking about Jesus Christ. It specifies it in both passages when it's talking about the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Why does it call Him the Word of God? You know, isn't, isn't this the Word of God? Isn't, this is the Word of God, right? But it's saying that Jesus is the Word of God. Well, we don't see Jesus right here today. So, do we even have the Word of God? I mean, what's going on here? What's what's going on? Anybody confused yet? Am I getting you confused? Well, hopefully I'll unconfuse you real quick. Uh, (laughs) The reason it calls Jesus the Word of God is because He did everything that was in this book. He fulfilled the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's... It's Jesus Christ that's talking about. It is all about Jesus Christ. He fulfilled it. He completed it. He did it. Jesus Christ is the one. He fulfilled every little detail. Romans 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Did you know that this book okay, that we make a big deal about around here, and rightfully so, that this book, this Old Testament, that it says it's weak, through the flesh. Okay? That's what it says right there in Romans 8. But it says, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, the reason this... It's saying that it was weak. The Old Testament was weak in the flesh because you and I can't do the Old Testament. We've all broken. We've all can find laws in there that we've broken. We've, we can't do it because of our flesh. We were born in sin. We blew it from the first day. And that law, it by itself, it was weak because of us, with us. But when Jesus Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh, He looked like a man like you and I, but He wasn't like us. He wasn't a sinner. He fulfilled every bit of the law. And because of that, we can be made righteous through Him in the Spirit, not in the flesh. This flesh is still going to die someday and it's going to have to be put into the ground. And it's going to rot and deteriorate. But our spirit can be saved and our spirit and our soul it will go on to heaven to be with Christ because of what Jesus, uh, because of what Jesus did. But the Word of God 
we see with or without Jesus Christ, the Word of God is of no effect. This same book, if somehow we could have put together this entire book, but there never was a Jesus Christ, it would be pointless, wouldn't it? There would be absolutely nothing to it. Boy, we could read, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but there would be no Lord for us to call on. There would have been no sacrifice that would have been made. Therefore, this Bible would be absolutely nothing without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, the Word of God is of no effect. And we also see in Mark chapter 7, verse 13, that the Word of God is of no effect without obedience. It says in verse 13, "...making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye." He said, because of all your traditions and things you have going, the Word of God, it's not affecting anything. It's not doing anything. It's not accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish because your traditions have gotten the way without obedience we can, the Word of God can accomplish nothing. If we all take our Bible here today and we just leave them on our views and do have, what are they going to do? Are they going to change anybody's lives? Absolutely not. Are they going to get up? And they, are they going to go witness to somebody? Absolutely not. By themselves, they can't do anything. It's like, well, you know, I, I don't know about that. You know, what about whenever they have people in court, they like put their hand on the Bible and they swear to tell the truth? Why does that have an effect on people? Well, because they know what's in there. They know what's in there about lying. And they know what they know that they know that thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And because of that, it has an effect. Now there's some people, they can put their hand on a Bible and they will lie and lie. You know what? They don't know what's in it. And because they don't know what's in it, they can't obey it. They can't follow it. There's some people they feel safer holding a Bible. Maybe if they're alone. You know why? Because they know passages in the Bible. They know about the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear fear Him and delivereth them. Because they know that, that Bible helps them feel safe. It helps them feel secure. People, when they've been dying on their deathbed, sometimes they want that Bible. They just want it there with them. Why? Because they know what the Bible says about heaven. And And so it comforts them because they know what's in the Bible, but without obedience, without belief, then it's going to do absolutely nothing. It's going to accomplish absolutely nothing. The, the Bible, God Himself is bound by His own Word. And that's why you say, is God deciding to bless us? Or is God deciding to curse us? But the truth is, many times the things that we pray for, if God were to answer them, He would be going against His own Word. God doesn't answer prayer just according to His power. He answers them according to His holiness. See, when God spoke these Scriptures, God was powerful enough to know that, hey, I can, I can give a law, like for, I can put in the Scriptures, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's people out that say, no, there's some people that can't be saved. God ordained it before time began that certain people are going to heaven and certain people are going to hell. But the, Bible, but the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the power that comes from the Word of God, because of what the Word of God says, anybody who calls the name of the Lord, they will be saved. 
God has that kind of power that He was able to speak this way back then, but there's nobody out there that could call on God for salvation and it mess up His ultimate plan that He does have. Think about that. We can't really comprehend all that, can we? So I might have really lost you there. But the problem is sometimes people try getting into the mind of God and thinking, you know, trying to think what God's thinking. We can't do that. But we can only go by what the Bible says. And if God's Word says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, there is nobody in this world. You can put them in whatever group you want to. If they call on Christ for salvation, they're going to get saved because of the Word of God. He said it in His Word. But... Even though the Word of God says that, until somebody calls in the name of the Lord, they're not going to get saved, are they? It's going to do them absolutely no good. Hey, I'm going to heaven today because of what the Word of God says. I did what the Bible said to do. And based on the Word of God, I know I'm going to heaven. Now, I've read that verse to many people. And there's been many who have not called on the name of the Lord. Did that verse do them any good? Did the Word of God save them? No, but it could have if they wanted it to, but until we obey the Word of God, it's of no effect. And this doesn't mean... uh, The Word of God, it's only effective when you obey it. Isaiah 55, verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. If God says something, it's going to happen. It has to happen. God's Word tells us that you know, how, how to get saved. If we do what it says, you will get saved. God's Word tells us how we can have the power of God on our lives. It's told us how we can have the power of God on this church. If we do what this says, then it will work. That is where the power comes from. Through obedience. God said it. Therefore, it has to happen. It's like many people think, well, I know the Bible says to do that, but in today's day and age, that's just not going to work. Are you sure? Because if God's Word says that it will, it has to. We're talking about the power of God here. It goes beyond the times that we're living in. That doesn't matter at all. And this doesn't mean that through the Word of God we can make other people do whatever we want by using the Word of God. But it means in your own life, if you obey the Word of God, God's will is going to be accomplished in your life. We can't make other people do what the Bible says. But we can do what the Bible says. And God's will can be done in your life. I can't make the will of God be done in somebody else's life. I can't make the will of God be done in my children's life. I can't make the will of God be done in your life. But I can let the will of God be done in my life through obedience to His Word. And that's what we've got to get focused on. A lot of times when we talk about getting the power of God in the church, it's like, well, we'd have the power of God if it wasn't for so-and-so. Alright, hey, don't go blaming other people for it. We can have, You can have the power of God in your life despite so-and-so. You can do that if you are obedient. If you're not seeing the power of God in your life, it's because of you. If I'm not seeing the power of God, it's because of me, because the Word of God is going to accomplish what it wants to accomplish, but we've got to be putting it to use. We've got to be doing what it says. Reading the Bible and listening to preaching, they're only beneficial when you obey it. Luke 11.28 
But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. That's what God wants. He wants us to hear it, but then He wants us to keep it and to do it. And then, um, I lost my spot in the notes here. But also, uh, many people today are spending their time trying to prove you know, who believes that the King James Bible is the Word of God the most. But I believe that the one that God is the most pleased with is the one who's obeying the most. We can argue about translations all day long and really not accomplish anything. What's going to make the biggest difference is who is living most of this Bible. Luke chapter 4, verse 4 says, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Okay, every bit of this Bible is important. God doesn't want us to just go through here and pick the stuff we like and leave out the stuff that we don't like. Every word is important. And and we use that verse too to talk about there's translations, they take words out, they leave they leave things out. Uh, Luke chapter eight, verse twenty one. It also says, and he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Jesus was preaching somewhere, his mother showed up, and yes, Jesus' brothers and sisters. Mary was not always a virgin after Jesus was born. They started they kept having kids. They named four of his brothers, they didn't name his sisters, but he had four four brothers and at least two sisters. But they were all there, and they're like, hey, Jesus, your family is here. And he's like, you know, who are my mother and my brother? But those that hear the word of God and do it. That's the important thing when it comes to the scriptures. I believe there's people out there that are using the wrong Bible, but they're obeying it more than some people using the right Bible. And that's why we scratch our heads like, man, how can they be? How can God be blessing them so much? How can God be doing work there? Because they're obeying more of it. Who cares how much? If you, have, I mean, we've got the completed thing right here. We've got the whole thing. But if we're not following it, if we're not doing what it says, then really, what good is it? The reason that we're not seeing the works like the Christians saw in the Book of Acts, I believe, is because the Word of God today is being decreased, and not through so-called translations of the Bible and through the verses that are being left out, but by God's people just not obeying many parts. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says that the Word of God increased. you know what happened there in the book of Acts? More people started doing more of what the Bible commanded. More people were doing more of what the Bible commanded. And when that happened, a revival broke out that was amazing. It, a revival broke out that literally changed the entire world. A movement started that day that is still going on today. That's why we are meeting in church on Sunday. They, got, they started doing that back during the, time of, the day of Pentecost. They showed up. They're, they're all together on the first day of the week. It was just 120 of them. But it grew to 3,000 and then to 5,000. And then a number, they, they couldn't even number it. And it started to spread throughout the world. And all that happened when the power of God... It's like you know, We need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit to show up. How do we get the Holy Spirit to show up? By increasing the Word of God. By doing what it says. 
And our desire as Christians should be to do the law of God. Now listen, we're not going to go into, get into specifics. But you know, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was studying for this. I thought, you know what, what if even just this week, if the people that are here went home this week and just started doing a little bit more of what the Word of God says to do. We start obeying a little bit more. And in each week, we just start increasing the Word of God. Some of the commandments that weren't being followed before, we start following them, we start doing them, then it's going to have an effect. We're going to see the Holy Spirit start to do work. You know why we don't see many people saved like we should? is because we're not going and spreading the Gospel. If we would spread the Gospel, if we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the other most parts of the world, we're going to see things happen. We're going to see things accomplished. If there's sin, it's always going to hold us back. It's always going to keep us down. When God said, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And you know, that creation process, this planet that we have and everything going on, I believe when God spoke this universe into existence, He set everything in motion. I don't believe God is necessarily up in heaven right now making sure all the planets and everything are moving in line like they're supposed to. He did all that when He spoke it into existence in the beginning. He already took care of that. Also, I don't believe God is necessarily up in heaven sitting there thinking, who am I going to bless and who am I going to curse today? That was all set in motion when He said, Thou shalt not. And when He said, Thou shalt. It was all set in motion. And when they gave them the law, He said, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And what I'm trying to say today is, you have Bibles here, and if you don't have them, we can get you one. Right before you today is a blessing and a curse. If you follow it, you're going to receive a blessing. The power of God is going to have, is going to do a work in your life. But if you reject it, it's going to do the opposite. Is it because God's in heaven being mean? No. It's because of what the Word of God says. It's already been set in motion. We can't change it just like we can't make the world start spinning in the opposite direction. We can't do that. And God's not going to do that either because God's not going to lie. God cannot lie. Why doesn't God answer this prayer? Because God would have to break His own Word to do that. God would have to go against His own holiness to do that. We find out what God wants to do and how it can be done through His Word and if we would just follow it and increase it. I want the Word of God to be increased in this era. We need to start doing more. It's not just getting more people to start doing it and people that aren't here we need to do that too. But if right in here, with what's here today, if more of us would start doing what the Bible says and start finding things, it's like, what do you want? What do you think we ought to do? Boy, there's a huge list for all of us. You know what I recommend you do this week? Just take your Bible. Maybe start in the New Testament and just say, Lord, show me something. What do I need to add to my life? What do I need to take away? from my life. And I promise He's going to show you. The Holy Spirit, will He'll start convicting you. He'll guide you. And you know what? And He's going to keep doing it. It'll never stop. You'll never run out of things to start adding and taking from your life.
And you're going to find out too, the more of it you follow, the better it's going to get. And as we, we increase the Word of God and God sees you doing that, God's going to, he's, you're going to be blessed. You have to be. It's in, it's in God's Word. But if you follow, it's going to be the opposite. It's like many times people, they're living lives in sin and just being wicked. And it's like they come to you and they're asking you to pray that God will basically change His Word. It's like, I'm sorry, but you know, the Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you're going to keep sowing those seeds, you're going to keep reaping them. I can't stop that. And God, God can't even stop it. Because He would have to lie and change His Word. And that's impossible. God can't do that. So let's increase the Word of God. I mean, take this serious. Take it personal. Take your Bibles home and just look for something. And if we do that, I believe we're going to see a difference in this church. I believe that could be the thing to set off a revival like we've never seen before. If we would increase the Word of God. So let's all stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Have a verse of invitation. The Lord spoke to your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to come.